arguably one of the toughest personas to sell into is the CISO or security professional. And with a lot of the sales teams and individual reps that I've worked with, the feedback that I've gotten, which makes a a lot of sense on this, is that uh, one, it's a very technical position and building the acumen to understand the industry, I think is one of the toughest things in sales in general, but in particular with this one, it can be pretty tough. And number two, it's, uh, it's a persona that is used to getting a lot of outreach, most of it really bad in fear mongering and that sort of stuff. So we're going to talk all about, I got four special guests for you today. We're going to talk all about how to sell to and prospect to CISOs. I appreciate you checking out Outbound Squad. My name is Jason Bay. I'm your host. This podcast is to help you turn complete strangers into paying customers. So that's uh, if you're an SDR and you're doing a lot of prospecting, setting up meetings, you're definitely in the right place. And if you're an account executive doing both prospecting, hopefully, and closing deals, we talk about everything from outbound to discovery to closing, negotiation, all of that kind of stuff. So this is a little bit of a different episode than I've done. We're going to have four really cool guests on this episode First episode coming up is going to be with a guy, Rand Friedman. He's a business development team lead at a company called Mend. He's got a ton of experience selling into security personas. The next conversation is going to be with a guy, Jonathan Ashkenazi. Again, ton of experience selling into security personas. He's director of partnership development at a company called Sonomi. And then we're going to kind of shift a bit into what it's like to be not only selling in this industry, but to lead sales reps and how to coach, mentor, all that kind of stuff. Bruce Gibson, he's the worldwide AVP of sales inside and commercial for a company called Hermetic. And lastly, we got a guy, Jeff Ake. That was a super fun interview. He does uh, cybersecurity solution sales at a company called iVision. So those are the four interviews that we got coming up. And uh, that's uh, that's what I got for you today. Hopefully you enjoy it. I'm curious to know, could you share a little bit of your background? How did you get into, you know, selling into CISOs? Because that's... Uh, one of the tougher <laughs> personas, I would say, as we've talked about. But what was that like getting into selling in this type of role to this type of persona for you? Sure. Um, so I actually came from a pretty different industry. I used to work for a data analytics business intelligence um, company. Uh, our persona over there wasn't the easiest as well. Uh, we were selling mainly to product people, sometimes data personas, yeah. uh rarely IT personas as well. And when I joined MAND, formerly WhiteSource, uh, it was a big shift. Uh, over here, we focus mainly on security personas, development uh, developers, and uh, also DevOps personas. Um, and it's a big shift. It's people that care about completely different things than what I was used to. And I definitely needed to change some of the outreach methodologies that I was using that worked pretty well in my previous company and adjust them to this, these type of personas and the things they care about. Yeah. Let's start with that. How, what was that journey like figuring out and feel free to dive in if you have a process or anything like that. What was it like figuring out what this persona, a new persona to you 
cares about? How did you educate yourself on that? It's a good question. First was good old Google. So I just uh, hit Google. I search what do developers care about? What do, what do, what do um, security personas care about? And specifically, I was trying to focus my attention on leadership, on decision makers and the things they care about, understanding that they're probably not so involved with the everyday details, especially when you know, speaking to CISOs, especially, especially when speaking to uh, CISOs of larger enterprise companies, um, yeah. which is typically the companies we go for, especially when it comes to outbound efforts. Um, after I got the background from Google, I started experimenting with cold calling myself. So I wanted to get a feeling of these type of people and ask them some non-conventional questions. So I hit the phone and started ringing. Sometimes people answered and sometimes they didn't. Um, yeah. Immediately after one, not immediately, but after one week, I could already notice that something is a bit different because I knew that I had valid numbers, but even when I got somebody on the phone, I felt that they are way more protective of their information and are less yeah. prone to share information with me, considering that this is an unsolicited call, considering that they don't know me, um, and so on. So I had a, one conversation that I remember. I think it was with a CISO of a pretty big telecom uh, company in Europe where after he basically rejected me, told me that there's no point in, in continuing the conversation, I threw a curveball to him and told him, hey, let's assume his name was Jason. I told him, hey, Jason, I'm actually new at my job um, and I'm supposed to lead a team of sales reps, kind of like penetrating accounts like your telecommunication company. And I've been noticing that people like yourself, people like yourself are less prone to provide sales reps with information regarding their tech stack, regarding their challenges, regarding uh, their needs and so on. And that opened up a really interesting conversation because I could really and feel how he's laying back. It out. <laughs> yeah, I called it out completely. I took the I conversation sideways and kind of made both of us look at what we had right here as if it's like not not really related to both of us. And we started analyzing the phenomena of cold calling to security people. And one of the things I really remember him saying, I, I believe it's almost a direct quote, he told me, we're naturally paranoid. I don't know where the next attack is going to come from. I don't know where if even with this call, if I'm going to get compromised somehow, if you're going to um, leverage the information I'm giving to you or I'm about to give you in some nefarious way. So he told me if I were to give you and your team some tips to be successful, it would be first acknowledge it. Acknowledge that we're not the average sales leader or marketing leader that is regular, is used to telling all about what they do and how well they do it. This is a different type of animal. Yeah. What else did you take away from that conversation? I took away that he cares a lot about adoption. So there are many 
cybersecurity solutions. And cybersecurity is a whole world by itself. You have container security, application security, penetration testing, and this, so many different tools. And a CISO, especially of a larger organization, is responsible for so many things that I, me as a salesperson or the listener that sells to other to CISOs as well, needs to first acknowledge that there's probably a drop in the ocean, in the ocean of a larger cybersecurity tech stack for this person. He might not even care too much about this specific segment in cybersecurity, if you know what I mean. Maybe application security is two steps down in the hierarchy for him. Maybe penetration testing is not something he even talked about for the past quarter. You know, So that's one thing. And the second thing, again, regarding adoption is that your tool could be the best tool in the world, but it's useless if nobody's using it. So while he really cares about accuracy and about thoroughness and all of those things, beyond everything, he needs a tool that people could use. So if it's embedded within development processes, if it's embedded within their cloud infrastructure or something, it needs to be simple and user-friendly for the developer, for the IT manager, and so on. It sounds like that was a really impactful conversation. If you step back from that conversation and think about everything that you've learned about this security you know, persona, what do you feel like CISOs and security leaders, what, what do they really care about? What are their typical priorities and goals and things like that? Sure. So we talked about adoption, the importance of having a tool that is not just very accurate or creates the least false positives. It's actually a tool that people will adopt and use um, and will stay there for a long time um, with people actually using it. That's adoption. The second thing is early detection. So security leaders like CISOs really care about um, detecting issues before they become critical, before they become convoluted, before they become hard to solve and hard to remediate. So it's really important for them to, what we call in the industry, to shift security as left as possible so that issues never even become issues. Mm. That makes sense. Third thing is um, visibility. So security leaders, as mentioned, especially in larger organizations, they need to have a clear picture of their security posture at any given time, like a, a real bird's eye view without all the noise, without the specific, just a clear, easy to understand view of their overall security posture. But the interesting thing is that it's not important for them just so they could feel confident that they know what's going on at every given moment. It's that, but also that they want to have an easy way to communicate their state of security to non-technical, non-security stakeholders like the CEO, like the board, like the salespeople, like the rest of the company. Um, It's really hard for security leaders to communicate the state of security for non-security leaders. So a way to visualize maybe um, their security posture is something that is helpful for them. A dashboard, something, numbers, statistics, um, also success stories so they could maybe justify the next budget so they could show, hey, we actually, you know, something to quantify their success with. We've actually um, prevented X amount of 
hacks or X amount of vulnerabilities from uh, damaging our business. And this is why we should renew the contract with that this and that vendor. Yeah. The fourth thing is credibility. Credibility means they would typically prefer a solution that has been tested by other companies that it's that's been around for a while that they're familiar with. So they know that what whatever they're choosing is solid. Right? It's risky for a CISO to use an unfamiliar tool. What happens, for example, if this company goes bankrupt tomorrow? Will they still have support? These are questions that or or issues that could keep a, a CISO uh, up at night. He yeah. needs to have trust in his tools. And if those tools are credible and are known, maybe they appeared in some sort of like a, a, a peer-reviewed article. Maybe they, uh, that tool appeared in some sort of a, um, review. Um, something that gives them confidence in, in that tool. So those were the four things. Um, adoption, early detection, visibility, and credibility. Got it. So to shift gears a bit, this is something that I think too many salespeople are guilty of, especially when interacting with CISOs, is uh, you guys call it FUD, right? Mm -hmm. Fear, uncertainty, and doubt, and trying to scare people into taking meetings with you, which doesn't work very well. How do you approach disrupting the status quo without FUD? Sure. So it's interesting Sometimes when I speak with new reps and I tell them, you know, without before you dive into our collateral and content, what do you think? How would you actually approach a security leader, for example? And for some reason, the go-to answer for new inexperienced reps specifically, especially in this industry, is to lead with FUD. Yeah. Like, hey, you don't want to be the next company that gets uh compromised hey you don't want to be the the next uh, whatever and uh, data that uh, or research shows that every third company gets compromised by doing x and apparently from everything i learned so far about this industry it's the wrong way to do it um, especially with security personas because trust me they have enough stress in their lives and enough fear uncertainty and uh, doubt in their day-to-day -day as security leaders uh, and they don't, they don't need another sales guy telling them how risky their job is. So don't, my recommendation is at least is don't lead with uh, FUD. Um, the way we do it, the way I recommend people to do it is to actually lead with industry knowledge or expertise, maybe leading with uh, familiarity with the type of challenges that CISOs deal with. Now, again, you don't need to be an industry expert with 10 years of experience to know one of the one, two, three challenges that a CISO faces. Um, you can look at, for example, visibility if you're selling uh, some sort of like a, a dashboarding solution. Maybe um, you have a very accurate product that doesn't provide uh, a lot of false positives, which is a, a big concern in this industry. And you want to um, you know, create some sort of questioning like a question that leads to that direction. So basically just leading with some sort of like a challenge that you're familiar with, that CISOs or security leaders like the guy you're speaking with, the guy or girl you're speaking with um, could be facing. Asking 
if that resonates with them, because it could be that you're completely wrong. And if it resonates with them, asking them if addressing that challenge is on their agenda, because it could be that yeah. it's not really on their agenda. Guess what? They have a million things on their uh, priority list, and maybe addressing your specific thing that that your company does is, you know, action item number 187. Um, if they tick the boxes, basically, if they if it is a challenge that resonates with them and it is on their agenda, then your solution or your value comes in play. This is where you basically say, interesting. So people like yourself in similar companies actually use our solution to solve that exact challenge by doing A, B, and C. And then saying something like maybe, you know, don't take my word for it. How about you see it yourself in action through a short product walkthrough? Yeah, so a lot of it, it sounds like, is like you've, you've mentioned the word familiarity a lot. So how can I bring familiarity into this conversation, either through other folks that we're working with, uh, conversations that we've had with people like them and referencing people typically have these types of challenges or focused on these sort of things, and then education, insight. You know, I want to ask you about that. Is there any... Because I think that uh, sales reps normally mistake insights and education for, I'm going to tell you about my product <laughs> versus sharing something that's going on in the industry or helping them stay ahead of the, the curve. Mm -hmm. Can you tell me more about how that kind of fits into your guys' you know, process? Do you, do you lead with insights? Do you share content, white papers, any of that kind of stuff to start conversations? So it depends how the conversation started. So I'll need to ask you maybe, Jason, are you referring to a situation where we caught that security leader on the phone through a cold call? Are we, or have we maybe communicated through email and LinkedIn in advance? And that's what triggered the, the conversation. Is it a scheduled call? Yeah, let's say prior to a scheduled call to get to that scheduled call. To get to that scheduled call, so absolutely lead again with with um, common challenges that 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 other security leaders uh, typically face with challenges you're familiar with. The way you get those challenges, I want to say, is first instead of going all over, try analyzing and crunching numbers from your own company. Assuming it exists for long enough, try going to Salesforce, see where you win, read some win stories. See what was your added value compared to other competitors. Listen to secure um, to customer success stories. Those are typically very yeah. valuable. Hear CISOs in their own words say and elaborate on what was the added value that um, they got from your product. If you don't have those, let's say you're a really small cybersecurity company, uh, but you have one, two, three customers, jump on a call with them. That's what I would do at least. I would jump on a call with them that the only purpose of the call is to really understand why are they a customer? Why us and not a different company? What is the, the added value that we managed to contribute to them and how we made their life better by one, two percent? Gather those and you know compress them into an email, into a LinkedIn message. And that would be basically the insight that you lead with maybe. Yeah, love it. Uh, lastly, 
Because a lot of the folks I'm sure that you talk to and a lot of the folks in our you know, outbound squad program or that might be listening to this are selling to people that already have a solution in place. Mm. You know, how do you think about shifting the conversation from uh, this thing checks the box and I already have the box checked, <laughs> you know, to get someone open to the idea of exploring something potentially new? Sure. Really good question. So before I tell you what we do and what I recommend doing, I'll first tell you what I recommend not to do, <laughs> which is <laughs> I really recommend not to lead with, but our solution is way better. Um, our solution yeah. is perfect. Our solution is great. A lot of solutions are really good. I'm sorry. I'm still here. I'm really sorry, Jason, but it sounds like something went off in my uh, headset and I'm like hearing somebody speak. Hello? Oh, can you hear me? I can hear you, but just one second. I think I know what okay. happened. I'm really sorry for this. No, you're okay. Okay, you want to start that from scratch again, like the, the last question? Sure. How do you shift the conversation from, you know, checking a box or you know, moving beyond the box that's been checked, knowing that a lot of the people you're reaching out to already have a you know, solution in place. How do you get them to consider you know, looking at other options? Sure, it's a really good question. And before I tell you what we do and what I typically recommend doing, I'll first tell you what I recommend not doing. Uh, I really don't recommend folks to just go straight away and say, hey, but you know, our solution actually does that better. Or our solution is great. It has been um, chosen by this and that uh, popular review to be the best of its kind and you know top right hand corner when it comes to that specific challenge. Uh, don't do that. That sways people off and it just makes you kind of like pass as somebody who doesn't really understand the type of conversation and uh, the notion of being a, a security leader. Instead, lead with empathy. Typically, what I recommend and what I tell my reps to do is once you hear that somebody has a solution in our space, in our case, application security, first of all, compliment them. It's really great that they have a solution in place. Actually, even say, well, that's fantastic to hear. You're already two steps ahead uh, compared to many other security leaders that I'm talking with on a day-to-day -day basis. Make them feel proud about the fact that they have their stuff together, right? Um, yeah. that opens up a conversation and it makes you already, it, it almost positions you a little bit as already somebody who knows what they're talking about, a little bit of a figure of authority in your space. Yeah. Then say, or then ask a few open questions, WH questions that ultimately lead to your product's strength. Um, so for example, um, interesting. That's a good solution, the solution you're using. I'm wondering, how are you currently handling vulnerability prioritization? Open question. And let's see if you know they're really happy with the way they do it currently, or you just touched on something that their current solution doesn't do so well, but your solution does. And listen, yeah. um, there's tons of questions that you can ask that ultimately will lead to your strengths, but that's basically the, the, what I recommend. So lead with empathy, compliment, and then ask some questions to open up the conversation, but smart questions that ultimately lead to your strengths. Yeah. So this is 
this requires you to really have a you know battle card, so to speak, and know how your solution stacks up to other ones so that you can ask about things that they potentially might not be able to do as well with their current solution. Is that sort of my understanding of the framework there? It, basically, yes. It always helps if you're familiar with you know, the, the two other most popular vendors in your space, the two one, the, the ones that you typically uh, encounter in those type of conversations. Um, but you know what? I want to say even not necessarily, even without being familiar with the other solution, your competitors, you can always lead question. You can always lead with questions that lead to your to the things that your product does well. It could be that the other solutions also do it well. Yeah. But just try to aim there, if that makes sense. Yeah. No, it makes total sense. Uh, this has been really good, Ron. Uh, so got two questions for you before you take off. First one is, you know, sort of rapid fire style. Knowing what you know now, what advice would you give yourself as a first time seller into this persona specifically? A B test a lot. A lot. You need to experiment like no other you need to make sure that if you're experimenting with a template have five others at hand and see what works better with smbs compared to enterprise security leaders compared to security engineers development leaders versus developers um the us versus europe versus asia pacific for example you need to experiment a lot gather data and then reconvene choose the options that convert the best and stick to them. So essentially be more data-driven. Got it. And before you take off, where's the, if someone wants to follow or connect with you, where's the best place to do that? LinkedIn. <laughs> you can find me on LinkedIn. Hope you enjoyed that one with Ran. Next one we got coming up is with Jonathan Ashkenazi, Director of Partnership Development at Sonomi. So I am kind of curious, how do you get into cybersecurity? Is this something, did you choose this persona to sell into? Did How did you get into it? What's the story? So um, actually, it chose me, okay? I was uh, in a period of time in my life that I was uh, considering what to do. And I even thought about being an account manager, getting out of the sales game, because I don't know, some things said, ah, I don't want to be one of those sales guys, right? That was before a lot of things I learned about the way you can really sell properly, right? So I went all through all those jobs and then somehow a headhunter, a recruiter asked me, ah, listen, I have this uh, sales development rep and SDR position at this company called Encapsula. They do something, cyber, I don't know. I said, you know what? Cyber? Interesting. I like it. Let me see what they do. And they do web application firewall, what uh, is known as a WAF, and a DDoS mitigation, all right? We're talking about 2015. DDoS was a brand new idea, not, not really brand new, but still not as a, a common household name as it is today. Everybody knows DDoS. So I was like, that's super interesting. I really, really like that. So I went into that as an SDR. So I learned two things. First of all, I love being an SDR, right? So I've been staying at this game for seven years. And I really love cybersecurity, uh, which led me to go back uh, and be in a, an SDR director for a tiny cybersecurity startup now because I really love that. Right. So it chose me and I chose to stay because uh, I'm fascinated. It's new. 
it keeps changing every day. You know, it's not something that you can uh, rest on the laurels and that's it. I know cybersecurity. No, you got to keep learning. So that's that's my quick story yeah. about how I got in. Yeah. So you mentioned something that really sticks out to me that I hear a lot and you didn't want to be one of those sales guys. Right. And I think that in <laughs> cybersecurity and selling into these technical roles really yeah. anyway, a lot of them are really averse to being sold from that sales guy or gal. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. In your experience, what do what do CISOs really care about when you started learning how to communicate with these folks? What are you finding that they really care about? What are their priorities, goals? What do they tend to really focus on? So, so that's a great question, and that's something that I've had the chance to explain to 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 my team members through the years. I would always say that you got to split into the CISO into two things, two types of CISOs, to be very exact, okay? Because you have the business-minded CISO, and then you have the technical savvy CISO. All right. Now it's very easy to know who's who by looking at their LinkedIn profiles and see how they got up the rank. All right. Now let's start with the tech savvy. Okay, the tech CV you will see is a guy that started from the bottom up. He was a network engineer. He was a pen tester. He went through the, the rings, you know what I mean? The rings of fire until he became this big chief of cybersecurity. Back then it was called information security. Maybe it was even part of an IT department, right? It was not always this known department uh, like today. So you can see that he went up the ranks to become a CISO uh, from the technical side. And then you would see a lot of times people that come from a more business-oriented roles, okay, where they were more doing strategic things for the companies. So they are technology people at heart. They know technology, they understand technology, but their mindset is business-oriented, okay? So mm. this is something super, super important to understand because each one of those personas understand stuff in a different way and he prefers stuff differently, right? So the business-minded CISO, what they really care about is how will that impact my business in a way that it either prevents the business to deteriorate, right, for, from being worse, or alternatively, how will it improve my business, okay? And when you go with cybersecurity solutions, sometimes it's hard to... to word business cases, but that's what it's all about. Because those guys today sit on board meetings, they sit with CEOs, they need to go and show what is the business impact of this. So I know your business is X, therefore getting hit with a data leak will cause Y. All right, that's a business impact. That's one way to go about, they really care about the business results. Now, not to say that the technical don't care about the business, just not like to say that the business don't care about the technical, but what they really care about. So when talking to a technical CISO, what we call a real techie, he really wants to know how this will solve a real problem in their tech stack, in their gap uh, skills. Today, there is a big problem with skills. So solutions that can empower employees to do more so he can get more done with the same amount of people rather than finding this unicorn hiring that comes out of nowhere because it's really hard, hard to hire right now. I'm sure you've heard that in the cyber world because of skill gap. So those technical CISOs would really want to understand, okay, 
don't talk to me ROI. I know no ROI exists, but tell me how will it make my team better? Tell me how your technology either replaces something that I currently use or improves significantly the processes that I currently do. All right? So that's what they really care about. Those care about their business impact and those care about the technical side of things. Got it. Let's like peel, pull away the thread even more on that because sure. I think one of the interesting things about talking to you is that you're working with a team. So you've sold into these folks before, prospect to them, et cetera. And then you're also teaching people. And what I would assume, correct me if I'm wrong, these SDRs are probably coming in not having very much like knowledge at all about what a CISO cares about. Are you? Is it, are most of the people that come onto your team kind of starting from scratch in terms of that? I mean, where do you where do you kind of start with someone like that? So, so that's a great, great point. So, I, I I would like to clarify. At the moment, I just started a really new place where I will build my team soon. But for that reference, we will use Gardecore, yeah. who is currently part of Akamai. Right? They were bought by Akamai for their cybersecurity capabilities. They became their cybersecurity hub here in Israel. Uh, and there I had the, uh, I will say, luck and privilege and honor to bring in few or almost uh, eight different SDRs through the years, different backgrounds. As you said, very little knowledge about the cybersecurity. So I would always start from the bottom up, right? I believe that before you even can talk to a CISO, you need to understand those guys, as you said yourself, they don't like you to sell them, sell them. They want you to understand. They want to know that the person in front of them understands. So before you even pick up the phone once, I need you to understand what is the most basic problem that we're solving. You don't need to be the system engineer, but you need to say, again, if we're selling DDoS mitigation, you need to know what a DDoS is. If we don't sell DDoS mitigation, for example, you need to know what DDoS is so you will know that that's not what we do, right? Because many times in those kind of conversations, when you talk to those guys, you need to understand what you don't do because they're going to come to you with all those terminology and they love using terminology, right? And you need to know what you don't do because if you'll start saying stuff that is wrong, they'll catch you for your lie. Worst thing you can do with a technical person is to catch to, to be caught on a lie. So the first thing I do with my SDRs when I, I bring them on to this technical, techie, cybersecurity position is to teach them about networks, about cyber basics, about the mindset of a hacker. From there, you can learn what and how to talk to those CISOs, whether business or technical. You need to know their world. Right, you need to know their jargon, but not in the marketingy way, right? In the actual, yeah. what is IP? What is TCP/IP means? What is, what is a handshake in the world of, of networks mean? You know, so just for you to understand those things takes some time, but gives you so much credibility when you pick up the phone or when you write an email back. Yeah, so let's get into that from a prospecting point of view. Mm-hmm. How do you, what are you finding to be effective? We'll just kind of start broad first. So times have changed. I love cold calls, right? I believe that this is a good way to initiate a call, but with those guys, they are very reluctant to take a call. Okay. What I have found to be more effective really is a combination. You need to try all methods possible, right? You need to try to get them through an email because you never know. They, they might actually read your email. 
and they might make fun of it on LinkedIn if, uh, uh, unfortunately, so some of them go and rant about a bad email that they got. That just shows you that they read emails, okay? When you call yeah. them, the first thing you need to know is they don't want to be called, okay? <laughs> you need to acknowledge that. That's the first objection you need to handle. The fact that you need to understand that they don't like that. The way that I teach my team, the way I do it personally, is to go with the mindset that opposes that. The mindset that I go on a cold call is that I'm not bothering you. I'm here to offer you a real solution. Now, if you do, as I say, if you don't have a headache, then my uh, ibuprofen is not the right, so the right pill for you. No worries. Let's get on with our day. But when I do my prospecting and my personal, I know you talk to many, many, many prospectors, top of the game. Everyone has their philosophy now. My philosophy is targeting. I'm all about increasing the target that we shoot at because it's a moving target, right? If I can increase it even by an inch in the diameter, I just made the chance of this cold call to be better. So when I do my research, I try my best to know that there might actually be a real problem with this company based on everything I've done as a research, right? Based on who we work with, based on what I know is my ICP, which I know by heart for every place I work at, right? You can wake me up in the middle of the night. I'll tell you who is my five top companies that I want to go after. True story, really. You need to go visit. Uh, uh, when I travel, I go with my wife. I point, oh, I talked to DC. So, oh, DC, so didn't answer me. Oh, those guys. Oh, I've been trying to get it forever. You, you know, that's like annoying. She's like, stop looking at building. I'm like, yeah, I'll get those. Uh, my true story. And by knowing who they are, when I pick up the phone, I know that there's a good, <laughs> yeah, this is, uh, yeah, honestly. Uh, so when I pick up the phone, I know that there is a very good likelihood, let's say 75% chance that I can solve a real problem if they would listen to me. You heard that? If they would listen to me. Many times they would not even listen. They would hang up the phone before you even get a chance to get a word out. But I honestly believe that that was just their loss. I could have solved a real issue for them and they didn't even listen, Okay. But if they do listen, and I go straight with a point, the reason I'm calling you is A, B, C, D, and I know that you are F, Y, and X, therefore Z, okay? Every company needs to plan their own, obviously, values. Don't talk feature to me. Don't come here, oh, we are the best AI, machine learning, detection, and, in, uh, uh, and penetration, uh, and prevent, oh, Jesus, what do you actually do? <laughs> you know? So... Just talk yep. value straight so, up. What can you do for them? Yeah. So it sounds like the research piece is very critical for you. What are you looking for? How do you get to the point to where you're 75% sure that you could help them with something? What are, feel free to provide an example too. So in my previous uh, experience, uh, I'll stick to guard acquires. I had four and a half years there of, of trial, error, and improvement, right? We, it's Gardecore, we sold, uh, for example, a protection for servers, okay? So what I would go for is look for companies that are using hybrid environments, okay? Now, the fact that you use hybrid environment means that you have multiple locations of servers, therefore, you might have a problem with that, okay? Now, mm. I, I can tell you really briefly about where I started, Synomi, for example. We go after MSPs and MSSPs. Okay, but I help virtual CISOs make their job better. This is my current position. Okay, 
if I will go for an MSSP, a managed service security provider, managed security service provider, sorry, that doesn't provide virtual CISO and doesn't know what it is, the likelihood that he would like to actually speak to me is slimmer, right? There is a chance. I'm not saying there isn't, but that is a smaller chance. On the other hand, now, when I go for Synomi and I say, I want the best MSSPs for small, medium-sized businesses, I will not just call AT&T cybersecurity out of the blue because they might not be the fit for me right now. They might be, but I'm not going to say yes or no before. I'll check that they actually work with small, medium-sized businesses. I'll check their portfolio. I'll see what do they offer today. Do they offer a virtual CISO? Do they have too many clients that they cannot handle? Therefore, a solution like Synome is where I empower the virtual CISO, where I allow one person to do three times the job, five times the job, doesn't matter, is something that could be relevant for them as they probably want to make more money. They probably want to protect more clients at the same amount of human manpower. So my guess is an educated guess. But listen, I still can get a no thank you. That's not relevant to us. But at least I tried and I honestly believe I can help them. So it's a mindset thing. Every time I pick up the phone, I say there is a good chance that they use us based on X, Y, and Z. Yeah, love it. So in terms of the... God, we could go in so many different directions. So in terms of the the message, what what are some of the things that you might bring up? And again, feel free if you want to drop an example, like in a call, you know, what are some of the things that you might say and the reason why you might connect yeah. that, hey, a conversation makes sense? What might that sound like? Right. So so let's let's again let's take the example of Synomi. As I said, I work with MSSPs that provide virtual CISO uh services, okay? Now, I know for a fact that there is a skill gap. I know for a fact that it's almost impossible for one person which who, who is the, this virtual system to manage 500 or 50 accounts. I know it's impossible based on every conversation I've ever had with any person in this world, okay? So when I would pick up the phone, I will tell him, listen, I have a way that I can take this. I see that you're providing virtual CISO services, correct? Yes. Always confirm. I never assume anything. You know what happened when you assume, right? Never assume anything. So <laughs> yep. I ask him, do you yep. provide this? Correct. I saw it on your website. Yes, it is correct. Do you have an automated system for that or do you use a human? Um, I have a human. Perfect. Would you be interested to learn how I can empower that person to do multiple times, right? I don't like talking in exact number because you never know. Okay. But would you be interested to learn how can I take this one person and using an automated system that has machine learning, obviously, and artificial intelligence to make his job faster, easier, and probably be able to take on double or three times or five times more accounts than he currently did? Now, did you hear about any features that I do? Okay, I said artificial intelligence job for him to understand, but it's not about, okay, I'm going to do this, this, and that. This is who you are, correct? This is what you use, correct? Would you, be able, would you be interested to do more of what you do and make more money? Now, if the answer to that is no, then he is in the wrong business, not me, right? Because his job is yeah. obviously to make more money. If he doesn't want to do that, what's wrong with you? <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah, I would go gotcha. and Okay, love the example. For value. Yeah. So, okay. 
What do you use to, are there any resources that you consume or industry type of stuff to stay up to date on this field or stay up to date on what CISOs care about? Yeah, definitely. This is one of my my uh, pet peeves, so to speak. I read the register. I go into dark reading. I literally search the, the web. I go to Google and search cybersecurity and go into the news tab. Uh, I read about that most attacks regularly, okay, especially if they're big and in the news. And I'm not just talking about, you know, I have, I have a way to know if a cyber attack was really big is when my dad calls me and go like, oh, did you hear about that attack? Could you have prevented it? You know, that's my way to know that, okay, it went mainstream. But I like to go into those niche uh, websites where they hang on, right, where, where they read. I love to read what they read. Why? Because that's how I can talk to them about what they want to talk to me about. My assumption that they want to talk to me about what I want to talk about is false. They want to talk about what they want to. So I read a lot. Uh, it's really good when you incorporate it into your conversation, not in a salesy way, again. As an example, if you have read about this XY attack, right? Are you familiar with what happened there? Yes. Do you have a way to protect against that? Um, actually, no. Would you like to learn? Okay. Now, intentionally, I don't give example specifically because I hope that many people would listen to this podcast, especially in the cybersecurity industry, obviously, and they can understand, okay, what does my solution, how could my solution honestly, with hand on my heart and, and you know, Swearing to God that my solution could have prevented this type of attack. Not as an ambulance chaser. Oh, a chaser. They hate it. Okay. If you ask me what they love, I will tell everybody every CISO hate ambulance chasing. Okay. You don't go after a huge ransomware and call me like, oh, we could have helped you with that. Oh, I saw you got attacked. We should have, you should have called us. No, they hated that. On the other hand, let's say one huge insurance company got attacked. It makes more than sense to call insurance companies to make sure that they are secured against that if, and honestly, if you can provide a security against this type of attack. Okay? That's how you go into a conversation. Now, if you don't know the news, if you didn't read it, if you, if you read only the mainstream, they will call it out. They will call your bluff like that. Right? But if you go after those less known attacks, if you read about the CVE that just went out, oh, did you read about this vulnerability, this zero-day vulnerability that went out? Okay, interesting. No, I didn't. Can you tell me more about it? And then I go and tell them. They're like, okay, this guy is not a sales guy. This guy is maybe even a techie. They start asking all these techie questions, right? And then I say, whoa, actually, I'm just a sales guy. <laughs> I love that. When I go there, it means that I went far into technical part. Ooh, sorry, I'm just a sales yeah. guy. Yeah, I love that. Well, hey, we're about out of time here. Before you take off, and if you're listening, make sure to subscribe to the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, all that kind of good stuff. Leave us a rating. Um, this has been great. Where can people go if they want to connect with you, check out what you're up to, your company, where all of that kind of stuff? Where can people go to connect with you? Best place on earth, obviously, is LinkedIn. Right, uh, Jonathan Ashkenazi, you can find me. I'm more than happy to connect with people. I've had, again, I, I look at it as a privilege uh, to talking to people like you, but not just uh, people that are SDRs in the game. I had the chance to talk to people uh, and just give any advice that I can, because uh, as you know yourself and the best out there, trying to make this game better, 
and trying to make us look better. So if I can help even one SDR not look like a, sorry, like a douche, I prefer to, to help him with any question they might, or she might have, because I saw some amazing female yeah. SDRs in this game and they yeah. are unique because they come with a different, yeah, listen, I've seen some bad, bad, bad SDRs. So yes. if I can prevent that, so not ruin our name, uh, I would love that. It makes my job easier next time I call. It's not like, oh, an SDR, clack. Oh, I actually spoke to a nice SDR recently. Yeah, that was uh, me or somebody I know. Let's keep it uh, happy. Let's keep it smiling, right? Blissful rather than hateful. All right. We're about halfway through. Hopefully you enjoyed that interview with Jonathan. Next one we got coming up is with Bruce Gibson. And again, this one's going to be a little bit more focused on the leadership element of this. Bruce is worldwide AVP of sales at a company called Hermetic. So I think a good place to start would be, um, what was it like in your first role selling into security? Was that a new thing for you? What was that what was that learning curve like for you? Yeah, uh, so that was going back a ways. And uh, I did not have any guidance from from people that had done it before. They're, you know, I don't even know if podcasts were a thing at that time. I, I've been yeah. doing this. Uh, or, or, well, I guess the, the iPhone came out like around the same time as, as I started selling into security. So, um, but, uh, but it was, it was interesting because the natural inclination that I, that I had, like everybody does is to, to call and talk about, uh, you know, the latest breaches and things like that and, and uh, position the products that I was working with as, you know, the solution to the breaches. And so it was a lo- long learning curve, but I, I started to figure it out uh, pretty quickly and, and enjoying it uh, ever since. So. Yeah, that was back at a time when the podcast, you had to plug a, your iPhone into the computer and yeah. like put the podcast on. You can just download them off the, off the internet. What what were some of the things, if you remember early on in your career, that were like things you had to learn the hard way when it came to you know, how we communicate with CISOs, what they care about, you know, that sort of stuff. What were some of those lessons early on that you learned? Yeah. So I think, uh, like I said, like selling based on fear is, is always the, the one that I think people, uh, the, everybody thinks, okay, security, like they must be very, very concerned. Like they're, they're tossing and turning all night long because they don't have solutions to every one of their, their problems and that they're going to get breached at any moment. Um, and, uh, they, they pay attention to the breaches and they're, they're obviously, um, you know, uh, risk averse, but they have a job to do. And it's not just to, to look at, uh, breaches and, and freak out and, uh, go buy stuff to fix every problem. So they're, they're much less, uh, they're much more like you and I, they're just kind of doing their job, trying to do a good job of it. And it's usually a lot more, um, nuts and bolts kind of things than, than, you know, they, they have very specific tax, uh, tasks, they deal with compliance, they, they have a very uh, clear function in the business um, that has to be done. And it's not like they're just sitting around waiting for somebody to give them a call to help solve problems that they can't do anything about. So I think that's the biggest thing. Yeah, it's interesting, because what you said about the FUD thing is, could you imagine if you prospected to sales leaders like that? And you said, hey, so-and-so's team just had to lay off a bunch of their people because they didn't hit their sales targets. And I want to make sure that doesn't happen. Like, that would sound ridiculous, you yeah. know, if you prospected like that. Um, so what do what did you, what have you learned in your career around, like, what do CISOs really care about? What are, you know, and feel free to use as, you know, any examples that you feel are relevant, but what are some of the things on a, you know, any, you know, kind of, 
priorities, goals, top of mind things that a CISO might care about at uh, some of the companies that you tend to work with? What are some What are some of those things that stick out? So the way I think this is true of all selling any kind of tech, but um, you know the the concept on their side of the world is people, process, and technology, and the technology mm-hmm. is actually third one there. And and when you think about cybersecurity, it's not like a stack. Like that's not how they think. They don't think about like, okay, my job is to come in and manage a stack of, of tools and to, to make sure that we enhance that stack. They're thinking about how they can, you know, level up their, their department, how they can educate the, the business to make things more. People are actually the biggest issue in security. And there is, you know, tech that that helps uh, handle some of that, but most of their, their biggest issues are people related and, and the tech can't really do much about it, you know, education. Um, and so I think um, the, the other major, major thing these days is they just can't find enough talent. There's like a major, major talent shortage. I don't remember uh, statistics well enough to, to give you specifics, but um, it's, it's, it's madness. Like there's, it's pretty much everybody that we call into today has uh talent uh, gap. Um, they have openings even today, even still, um, in spite of uh, like all the, the bad news recently, CISOs um, can't fill seats. So I think that's probably their, their biggest issue. Um, it's basically all the things that tech can't solve for them are the things that are, are the ones that actually keep them up at night. Interesting. So in, I know in your current role, you've, you were the, were you one of the first salespeople in your current role? Yeah, I was the first sales guy in the U.S. and yeah. uh, first third, U.S. sales guy. That's right. thir- third that was dedicated to just sales. Yeah. And now you got a team and all that stuff. When you're focusing with your team and you're talking to them about CISOs and you know what they care about related to stuff that we can help with, how like what what kind of stuff are you teaching them? Uh, yeah, so it's it's tough because there's a lot of noise. Uh, I would say that it's it's probably one of the groups of people that have so, so much noise. So I'd love to be able to just be able to have an hour long conversation with, with a CISO and, and, you know, get out the entire value proposition and all that. It's just not the reality. So the problem Mm -hmm. that the the biggest issue is, is getting people's attention uh, because there's, there's just so many people that, you know, outreach and, and sales left have done an amazing job. Um, getting out in the market, there's there's tons of SDRs. They're very uh, uh, good investment for companies, and uh, but it's created a lot of uh, you know people's attentions are getting pulled all over the place, and so that's the biggest challenge I think is is getting attention, and it's not by doing some of these things that that we just talked about. I think it's mainly by uh, by doing something different, by being personal by finding something that's that's related to them. So if it's a big pu- public corporation, the, the good news is there's something called a 10K, which is actually mm-hmm. uh, part of their uh, public uh, like SEC uh, disclosures that they have to release. And in that it's called it's 10K, there's an a, um, area in there called risk factors. And it al- almost always talks about their uh, their security posture. And most of the time, like you can find something like we, we sell public cloud here, uh, public cloud security. And there's usually a lot of risk that uh, comes into that because it's a third party. And so we can we can point to that. And that's like, wow, these guys did their research. Um, we do a lot of like video prospecting, uh, try to just not call and pitch, you know, to try to actually engage in a conversation with someone. And, and I think that's it's, it's not product related. It's it's your approach that uh, that's going to get you to stand out. Yeah. 
So how do you, um, if you have just sort of a broad example, if we're reaching out, and I love the 10K or the quarterly report, like looking at risks and that sort of stuff. So you point that out to them that that's something that they care about. And then where do you go from there? Does it go into, hey, here's what we do, or here's what we hear people like you focused on right now? Like, what is the incentive, I guess, to hop on a first meeting with one of your sales reps? How do you, how do you typically explain that? Yeah, so I've happened to, you know, like I've, I've been in the game for a while. And so I, I look actively for solutions that are unique and different. So I think that gives us yeah. a little bit of an edge there that we can we can kind of identify a problem like there's a, a couple of big problems that we really align well to and so we identify that problem and then oops i just lost you over here uh i can still hear you i hit a button sorry we identify a problem that uh that you know they're not hearing about every day uh, so it's not just broad like hey how are you securing your public cloud it's it's very specific to to those uh unique problems and then Again, tying back to ideally some research that you did um, and, and trying to make it relevant as much as possible to that individual and that company. Got it. Do you, are you able to share any examples? I know some people are kind of you know, sensitive about you know, stuff like that <laughs> for, for, for competition. Are you able to provide any kind of example of what a – because I think the reason I ask is that a lot of times uh, reps that I work with that um, you know, are selling into this persona – they're so generic in how they reach out. And um, do you have an example of like how specific you're like, like what that means to be that specific? Yeah. So my favorite example is it's, it's going to be a little bit technical, but it's, uh, okay. it, it, you know, for, for CISOs and, and so forth to, to, and I'll try to keep it like as non-technical as possible, but usually it's a question. Uh, which is always a good approach, but how would you identify something within your public cloud infrastructure, a resource that someone had access to that, uh, that shouldn't, let's say a third party had access to, and that resource had HIPAA data. Uh, so it's asking a very, very calibrated question that is going to expose the problem. Um, and yeah. generally in, in our case, like it's very difficult to answer that question. Um, so that usually it's like uh, I would probably call up some of my guys and see if they could they could find out or you know might might we look into some of these native tools in, in the different you know it's AWS Azure that that kind of stuff we might spend a, a week or so looking into that and uh, you know but we're fine we don't, it's all good like uh, we we have that capability today so then but now we're engaged in a question and now we can we can talk about how we can actually make that process much better and, and save them time and. Time and money. Time again. Like if you can connect your value proposition to to time that you can save them, or or you know you can fill that gap of lack of expertise. Those are the big things. That's what CISOs are going to care about. They don't necessarily always care about the, the technical minutia, but the but the time and and making up for for time and lack of expertise. That's when they'll start. Their ears will start perking up. Yeah, there's so much to unpack just in that question that you asked. I think that. Uh... Like when I hear a question like that, it one, I think it demonstrates business acumen in a way that kind of handles the objection of does this salesperson know my world or not, which I think is just really profound. And uh, it's what you deal with a lot when you're selling into technical people. They're so used to being, you know, like you mentioned SDRs earlier. Let's be honest, like most of 
most SDRs are not good at their job and it's probably not their fault. I mean, it's probably a lot of the company, you know, too, but they're getting a lot of really generic stuff. So of course, as a buyer, I'm going to have an inherent distrust of people that reach out to me when 99% of what I get is from people that clearly don't understand like what I do, you know? So like that question, you have to know what you're talking about to ask a question like that. And then you also basically what you did there is you kind of spotlighted and opened up a, you got them to uh, to think about how they might solve a problem that they aren't really able to solve right now or not able to efficiently, you know, kind of solve a problem like that. So um, is there anything else that I missed in there? Cause I don't want to, like gloss over the, all of the nuance behind a question like that, that I think there's just so much that it demonstrates in a, in a prospecting or sales conversation. Yeah. So the only thing that I, I, you know, like if I'm trying to put myself in the, in the listener's shoes, um, I think that it, it's probably intimidating to like, well, like, I don't have a question like that. I can't come up with a question like that. And if, if the, the leader that they're working for either, you know, probably doesn't have time, even if they're, they're that good, um, but it's, it's an area that I think you can, if you, if you, if your company has reviews, um, online, if it's a more mature, uh, product, that's the best source of, of getting those kind of little snippets, like find what, what the customer said about you. Um, uh, if you use, if your company uses gong or, or chorus or whatever, some sort of recording, um, yeah. just study those, just go and like, especially the ones that are more advanced stage, you might not understand it, but just Jot down your notes of all the little things that you don't understand and just get to know the customer. Don't worry about the marketing lingo or the, the language of the, you know, that's going to cut. They're, they're going to give you that. But like the the language that the customer uses and the, the problems that the customer talks about, they're usually in a lot of, you know, immature companies, uh, startups. It's different. You're, you, the way that you the, the way the salespeople and the marketing team position the product and the way that the customers talk about the problem is usually different. And the customers are the ones that, yeah. that you can uh, dig in on those, those, uh, those things, but study that stuff and get to know it. And, um, you know, usually it takes a couple months, but, um, if you, if you're really like obsessive about it, uh, you, you get good before long. It's not that hard. Most of the products that are on the market today, they're not that, that technical. Yeah. That's great advice. Where do you guys typically find the most success in terms of when you're approaching an organization that you don't already previously have contact with, uh, what level of seniority do you typically find that the conversation gets started at? That's a, that's a good question. I think it's a little bit specific to the product, but I, but I have noticed a pattern um, over time, like security has matured a lot over, you know, my career. Um, and, and there's that de- they're definitely getting more um, uh, role specialization um, just like, just like uh, sales and in the SaaS world, um, and so I, I think everybody the everybody wants to get to the CISO. Everybody wants to get to the leadership level, but they have you know a very heavy job. They have these mind maps. It's it's crazy. Like I think you could probably just Google CISO mind map, and like the the things that these people have to to tie together in their job is it's absurd. Like they have so many responsibilities. Like. Here I am, like worried about uh, you know coaching uh, you know a couple dozen people to to sell cybersecurity and and these guys have you know hundreds of things to worry about. So they're usually going to be too high level to really understand the problems um, that that you're going to hopefully be able to approach them with that they haven't heard before. Uh, so from an entry point, I always think that it's better to start with 
uh, you know, like in our world, there we happen to be lucky enough that there's people that are cloud security. But most of the time, in large organizations, uh, or, or you know, depending on the size of the, the organization, you can get like in our in our case, you know, our product is is the sweet spot for us is like a security architect or engineer. They're more technical. Yeah. They're there to solve problems. They're there to kind of uh, gain productivity or efficiency. Um, but but I've you know, my last job we did. Um, OT security. And, and by the way, like security is not just a functional area in a company. It's a, it's a concept. It's, it's not just security people that are concerned with security in an organization. So depending on what the product does, sometimes your entry point might actually not be in, in security. So in, in the last place, it was OT security, like IC, uh, industrial control systems, manufacturing. And like uh, there was a big breach in the, the pipeline uh, a couple months back. And uh, that was the type of stuff that, you know, there's a whole area within cyber. And we started with OT people, not security people. And then we, we kind of understood the situation. And then we went to the security people and it was like, hey, you guys have this, all this tech that's going on in here that you have no visibility into. You know, we can, we can talk to you about that. But we had, we had the OT teams walk us over to the, the CISOs um, when once we kind of established that it was a problem that we could help them solve. So it's, it's just different. It's dynamic, but I would say usually you want to speak to, you want to find the individuals that have the real pain that you can actually help solve. So it's usually lower level. Got it. So bottoms up tends to be a pretty good strategy here where let's start at the IC level, almost or manager level and take those insights up and get introductions and that sort of thing. As a broad statement, I would say probably the manager level or team lead kind of level. Um, Yeah not necessarily the IC level, unless it's really, really, you know, fitting your niche. So for us, like cloud security, there's cloud security people. I don't care what level they are. Like we can talk to them. Like they're the ones that are going to be dealing with. Yeah. Got it. Okay. Okay. In terms of, um, I think educating yourself on this sort of stuff, is there any other stuff that you provide your team outside of your training or resources that they should check out podcasts, publications, where do you kind of go to keep up on, on all of this kind of stuff? Yeah. So I'm a podcast guy. Um, that's how I try to consume my information. And and there is some, it's unbelievable that we have this in cybersecurity. I don't think that this is common in every other industry, but there is a podcast called the CISO vendor relations podcast. It's, it's, uh, uh, created by a guy named David Spark, um, and that that podcast he has CISOs, he has vendors, he has all all sorts of mixing and matching of people. He has you know, and and it's every week they release a new one, and it is basically it's the the blueprint for how to sell to CISOs as they tell you. Like they tell they talk about all the yeah. things that annoy the crap out of them. There's some epic episodes that uh, that I can share. Um, as needed, but, but that are specific to all the do's and don'ts that, that, uh, vendors should be doing to, to work with them. So that, that's the absolute best. Everything else is just, you know, industry publications, uh, you know, so, and then the last thing that I would say is just follow, follow the people on LinkedIn that, uh, that you're, that you're working with, even if they're, it's not a prospecting, uh, endeavor, like just follow them and see what the, you know, there's active, there's very active CISOs out there, um, that, yeah. that look about the, the, challenges. And then if given the opportunity, of course, go to events and things like that, um, where they're talking about stuff. Yeah. I noticed that just doing some preliminary research just for this series that there's so many 
resources out there like these podcasts <laughs> for you to just listen to people that are your buyer talk about their problems. It's pretty cool. Um, well, they, the, the, they actually love they, they don't they're not allergic to us. They're just allergic to when we don't do a good job. Um, so <laughs> they want good, good, uh, you know, it's met very kindly when you do a good job and you identify problems and you're not just, you know, um, Josh Braun talks about commission breath. Like if, you know, as long yep. as that's not like heavy when they, when they get on the phone with you, um, yep. generally I found these people are pretty, pretty cool. Yeah. Very good. Well, before you take off, where is a good place if folks want to connect with you or check out your company or anything like that? Where's a good place for folks to do that? LinkedIn. That's the only thing I'm uh, I'm active on. I'm terrible at Twitter and all that other stuff. So LinkedIn is the best place. And I'd be happy to connect with anyone. And we actually have a group for uh, cybersecurity SDRs. It's, it's not as active as we would like, but I can invite anybody who connects with me uh, to the group and maybe we can get some, some good uh, activity going there. All right. Last but not least, we got my man, Jeff Ake coming up in this one, cybersecurity solution sales at iVision. You're going to enjoy this one. I had a lot of fun with this interview. Uh, so I got to ask you before we kind of get into this stuff, jujitsu to sales. How did that, how did that happen? <laughs> um, well, I'm not a young man. Um, and, you know, being in the academy, you know, nights, weekends, and, and also having a family, it was, it was, it was getting old. Um, and I think the pandemic, especially early on when it was like, Hey, we don't really know what's going on here. Um, it made jujitsu, I would say somewhat problematic, right? Like I had, yeah. my wife was seven and a half months pregnant. We, you know, spend a lot of time and rely heavily on our parents to help with the kids. Um, and there's just sort of this era of uncertainty with it all. Um, yep. and you know, an employer and I, I think there's just a lot of areas where we weren't on the same page and it was, it was time to part ways, but you know, there was a non-compete in place. Um, so at least for the time being, it was time to figure out, Hey, what, at least what are we going to do for the next couple of years? If not like, Hey, what's really next? Um, and the COO and, and CTO at the time, you know, we've gone through, a. a a merger since then, so everybody's titles are a little different, but they were the CEO and CTO of the company at the time. Um, I just approached them because information security seemed like a, a very interesting place to go. Um, and, yeah. you know, what do athletes who don't know what they're supposed to do next do? They go into sales. Uh, <laughs> so <laughs> I, uh, you know, approached uh, those two. I know they had tried a sales role in the past with, you know, varying levels of not much success um, yeah. and started to try to learn more about, you know, what they thought hadn't worked. And this is something they, they were open to exploring on another level. And, you know, after a couple of uh, contract gigs with them, I was brought on as a full-time employee. And now this is just very much uh, what I do now. Very good. Interesting. So knowing what you know now, if we kind of start from here, is there anything that you would do differently in your first two or three months on the job to learn more about the people that you were going to be talking to and selling to on a regular basis? Is there anything that you would do different? Oh, I mean, there's just so many things. I mean, obviously the power of hindsight is a, is a 
incredible thing. Yeah. Um, I, I think jumping straight into the waters of selling uh, information security was an interesting decision. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I think there are certainly places where you can have softer landings as a salesperson, yeah. you know, and have an ICP that's probably a little more sympathetic to you, you know, and what you do day to day. Um, I think yeah. just jumping straight in the waters of, uh, of like, Hey, I, I'm a nuisance um, <laughs> to this person uh, was, was a real challenge, but I think ultimately um, it, it forced me to like really learn about the, the people that, you know, I'm attempting to sell to and what do they do on a day-to-day basis and, and um sort of what's their general attitude around the state of sales, specifically sales and security. Um, but I think it was also good too, right? Cause it, it sort of forced me right into the deep end of the pool and to have to learn quickly. Uh, and also just sort of the way the role was shaped. It was just sort of like, I don't know, man, here's like a cell phone and zoom info. Good luck. Um, let us know how it's going <laughs> and just dials, yeah. dials, dials, emails, 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 like allowed me to really, uh, iterate a lot. Yeah. Well, what are some of those things that you've learned that, and are you primarily acting, uh, interacting with CISOs? Is it someone kind of, uh, lower on the seniority level? Like who, who are the types of prospects that you tend to interact with most and what it, what are, what did you learn about what they really care about? So it's going to be always on the technical side, but it's going to depend, right? If we're talking about application security, a lot of times I'm talking to people on an engineering team because um, ultimately that's, you know, if we're we're looking at penetration testing or, or long-term software security, you know, you're working with the director or VP of engineering, maybe a, a CTO on some level. Um, now, having said that, in a lot of startup land, um, the CTO will be uh, the point of contact if we're talking about software. Um, now, if we're looking at like infrastructure pen testing, or if we're looking at uh, managed services surrounding infrastructure security, we're probably going to be looking more, you know, within the IT department, maybe a CISO, maybe like a VP of information security, director of in- information security. Um, CISO means a, it means like different things at different organizations it's very poorly defined from organization to organization like what they do what their role is and more specifically who they roll up to is is really going to yeah. vary a lot you know maybe they're rolling up to a CIO maybe they're rolling to a CEO maybe they report directly to the board like the rest of C suite um so where a CISO is involved can be it can vary wildly from organization to organization and you, for someone that's maybe a bit new selling into these personas, what is the difference between a CISO and a CIO and a CTO sort of generally? How do you look at all of these? Because a lot of times when I'm working with folks, I find that they don't really understand the difference maybe between what some of these folks care about. Well, CIO is going to be looking at you know information technology as a whole, um, sort of how how is the infrastructure built? How does it work? Um, a CISO is typically more handling how is everything secured as a whole and how does it tie in with the business? Um, and a CTO 
oftentimes is going to be more like looking, and this isn't always true, but a lot of times they're going to be specifically looking uh, a lot at like technology development, right? So like what's being built and they're sort of on the top of, of what's being built. Um, and again, that's going to vary from organization to organization too. Like I've definitely seen organizations where a CTO feels a lot more like a CIO, but you know they're still sort of just sitting on top of technology as a whole. Uh, just yeah. based on the size of the organization. Got it. What approach have you found to work well to to land meetings with some of the folks on the security side of things? So I think with the security side of things, there's kind of there's two plays, right? The first, and and I think this is the one I recommend with the CISO the most, um, is is really just trying to build and invest in that relationship um, because they're going to have the ability to introduce you into projects that they think your organization might be good for. Um, but it's also a, a role kind of similar to like a VP of sales, right? It's not someone you expect to necessarily be in that seat for a tremendous amount of time. Um, and as they go from organization to organization, if there's a good relationship there built on trust and, and value in what you do, um, you're going to sort of get brought along for the ride uh, as they move along. Now, the second is going to be, hey, I understand that I have something here that's going to be of value to you. How can I communicate the 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 problem that I'm able to solve for you, the value that it's going to have to, to the business, um, and how am I doing it in a way that doesn't make this person feel put off? Um, because I think a lot of the things we learn about sales, right, and sort of common, you know, TTPs, techniques, tactics, procedures um, for outbound sales feels a lot like social engineering, uh, to the person that you're trying to sell to. So it's very easy to just be doing the things that you've been trained to do, taught to do, that you're told are best practices that will immediately put your prospect either on the, the defensive or make them just get like get out of that interaction entirely because in their mind they're saying, oh, this person could be trying to gain access uh, to my organization and I need to just yeah. disengage immediately. <laughs> so let's talk about that piece the play number two, and then we'll circle back to the first one. So mm -hmm. essentially this play is let me just reach out directly to them and, mm -hmm. and see if there's uh, any potential for conversation on how we might help them. You said there's a lot of do's and don'ts. Let's talk with some of the big mistakes maybe that, that people tend to make, or maybe even that you've made earlier in your career. <laughs> oh yeah, definitely. Right. Like asking about critical things, asking about infrastructure, asking about tools or yeah. controls that are in place. You know, because this to you can be an easy like insight or trigger, right? Saying, oh, okay, if they tell me this, then I know I can talk about this. Uh, but if you're asking like, hey, are you, know, are you guys, you know, heavily on premise or in the cloud, right? That's going to be a huge red flag. Okay, this person wants to know about critical infrastructure. They're trying to gain access uh, to my organization. I need to cut this communication off immediately and probably uh, alert security teams that, hey, we need to be stepping up what we're like the level of alertness that we have because I just experienced this. Right? And same thing like uh, on emails, right? You know, like what's one of the best practices we learn right now is like, hey man, let's use video and cold outreach because it's a human-centered approach. But if you're sending, uh, 
you know, a cold email with a video in it, right? This is going to contain an unknown link. It's going to have an embedded image. If this even gets through the spam filters and you're sending this to the security team, they're probably going to report it immediately, block you as a sender from the organization as a whole. And now you're just shouting into the void. Um, and you may not even necessarily know it. What about from a messaging standpoint? Uh, is there anything that people should or shouldn't be talking about? I mean, and maybe a better example would be, you know, what what does good look like? You know, from so, your perspective, if you're going to send an email to someone, what does what does good look like? Uh, so short, right? It just speaks very clearly to like, hey, here's the problem that we're solving any interest in a conversation. And I think in, in cold outreach in this, it's always like, hey, let's just set the intent very clearly. Like all I'm trying to do is see if there is interest or relevance to this on your end so that we can have a conversation that you're not being completely blindsided to, you know? And so like calling out like, hey, this is a cold call to me works really well with information security um, because now you're not, there's no confusion about whether or not you're trying to obfuscate what's going on here you know and then the next piece is like hey like for instance you know for a while we have this really cool attack surface monitoring service and we were kicking around the idea of like hey could we like make this maybe software as a service so i did a ton of outreach to just try to drum up conversations and see like hey is this feasible to get off the ground you know as this type of product and so i would say hey my name is jeff calling from carb systems you know full disclosure this is a cold call do you want to keep going um because not everybody will right some especially in the security yeah. space some people very upfront will say hey i don't take cold calls um so i like to just pre-disqualify anyone who's just not interested in engaging uh in this process what percentage what percentage of people do you find decide to continue versus a, a pretty decent percentage. You know, I think if you approach it on those grounds, uh, just like, Hey, I'm putting it out here. Is this something you're into or not a lot more than I would have expected before I started, uh, sort of working yeah. under those confines. So decent, yeah. like half, less than half, more, more than, than half, half. more than half, certainly oh, cool. more than half of people yep. are like, okay, I'll give you X amount of time, you know? Yeah. Um, and then I say, like, hey, here's the reason that I'm calling. You know, I speak with a number of information security leaders throughout the course of a week. Uh, and a sentiment that consistently comes up uh, is a sense of concern about a lack of visibility into their external facing attack surface in between a point in time assessment like a third party pen test or a scheduled vulnerability scan. I'm calling about something that could help ease that sense of concern and to see if you might be willing to have a short conversation about it at a time when I'm not completely blindsiding you with this call. Um, so it's like, Hey, here's a little problem that we can solve. Um, is this relevant enough for you to have a 15 minute conversation? Right. And then that sort of gives them time to do their thing as a security person. Um, and you know, like research your company, make sure you're legit and, and follow through with that. If, if everything sort of meets their liking. Got it. So it's, it's extremely what I call you oriented versus me oriented. You're talking all about people like them, what they experience, and you're not like pitching your product really at all like outside of saying, we just ease the concerns around that. We make that yeah. a little easier to deal with, you know, kind of thing. Yeah. Um, love that. Is there anything else that you're finding in particular working? I mean, is the email kind of follow a similar format? I got to be honest with you. And, and this just could be a shortcoming. Uh, 
of mine as a relatively newer seller, I don't see a ton of traction in email. You know, I just don't. I think it's a, in general. <laughs> I think there's just a lot of noise there. And I think email security yeah. has gotten very, very good. You know, most emails clients are very sophisticated at picking up, uh, you know, marketing sales outreach and just throwing it in a separate folder. Um, and so I think, you know, there's, there's like, it's a two fold, there's like two levels to it being difficult. I think just breaking through the noise, right. And just general sort of inbox pollution and then deliverability. Um, and I think, you know, which I think is now a really important thing that a lot of people are starting to get on, like get wise to and work towards, which is email deliverability. Yeah. Got it. So approach in play number one, you said build and invest in the relationship with the CISO. Can you tell me what you uh, more about what you mean by by that? Is this just reaching out and, hey, here's some content, here's some resources, here's a way I can be of value and just kind of playing the long game with it? Like, Can you tell me a little bit more about that approach? I think a lot of it is uh, sort of similar to that. The second approach and the first approach work well together, but with the CISO, it's more just like, hey, I just want to give you an opportunity. Like you just want to build awareness with them, right? And give them an opportunity to sit in on a call. They may move, you know, continue on with the process beyond that first call. They may not. Again, it's going to depend on sort of, I think the size of the thing that you're selling, right? The more expensive your thing is, the more likely that the CISO is going to be involved. Um, yep. Because like, you know, say it's a director of information security that you are doing most of the talking with, they may not have uh, the budgetary power to make that bigger purchase, right? If it's something small, you could be dealing with, with that director VP level the entire way. If it's a bigger purchase, the CISO is probably going to need to get rolled in. He's going to need to get buy-in. He may be able to make that approval. If it's big enough, he may need to go, someone else, go to someone else for that approval. But I think it's just a question of like, Making a CISO aware of who you are, what, who your company is, what your company does, so that they can get out there and start um, doing research, reading, uh, because it's a very informed buyer, right? The the CISO in general, this is a person who's been in information security probably for a long time, right? Which is a field where the landscape is constantly changing, right? Threat actors are constantly evolving, getting more sophisticated, getting more well-funded. Um, so as a CISO, they sort of constantly have to stay in this beginner's mindset and always be looking at what's going on out there. And that includes right the solutions available to them. Um, and so they really want to make a very informed research decision. Um, so a lot of like working with the CISO, I think, is uh, just making them aware so that over time, you know, you can you can continue to build value. And down the line, I think that's when like sharing content and things become valuable. I think when you throw content up front, again, now, okay, we're just sharing unknown links and we're sharing attachments and asking the person who like gets on their hands and knees and pulls their hair out, begging their employees to not click on links and not download attachments. Yeah. Um, and now you're doing, hey, can you click on this link? Can you download this attachment? Um yeah, I think those are things that are going to need to come down the line when awareness is there and a level of trust has been built. Interesting. Yeah, that's a good little tidbit there. Is there any other advice that you would give to someone that's maybe in their first you know, six months, first year maybe on the job selling to these types of folks in security? Any other advice that you might give a person like that? 
I would say, man, you should be dedicating a block of time throughout the day to just researching what's going on in the field. You know, what are what are the things that are giving organizations trouble? You know, uh, get your hands on the the Verizon report every year, right? The data breach investigation report. Really get to know that thing every year that it comes out because there's going to be a lot of information that's going to tell you what's going to be top of mind, um, you know, to the the people that you're trying to engage in conversations with and sell to. Um, information security Twitter is a, is a treasure trove. Um, you know, if you've got engineering savvy members of your team, man, try to see if they can help you set up some kind of RSS feed uh, that, you know, hits your Slack that's just going to be focused on uh, information security related topics. Really, really helpful. Interesting. Anything else that you personally consume information wise to educate yourself? So again, I'm very lucky in that, you know, some of the members of our consulting team put together this fantastic RSS feed for me. Uh, LinkedIn yeah. is a great source, uh, you know, of, of information. And I think uh, more recently in the last couple of years, a lot of information security leaders have started to lean into the platform a little bit more as an opportunity yeah. to share information, I think. And, you know, even it still exists today to some level, right? There was this view like, I mean, this is just a, a place for you to give uh, people ammunition with which to social engineer you. Um, but I think people are beginning to lean into it a little bit more and CISOs and, you know, VPs of information security and, and now like very visible consultants spend a lot of time putting thoughts and ideas and information out there. Um, I think yeah. there's a guy named Jason Chan um, who used to be, I think he was a CISO. I think he was like a VP of security at Netflix. Um, he's put out a tremendous amount of really great information about, uh, hey, as a salesperson, here's how I would love for you to approach me. Here are the things that I like. Here are the things that I don't like. Yeah. Um, I think uh, this guy named George Finney, who's the CISO at Southern Methodist University, um, put out you know some great blog posts with a similar feel. And one of those was, uh, sort of pointing to, hey, like I know you guys think this is sales outreach, but to me, this feels like I'm being social engineered, and I hate it. And yeah. <laughs> it's it's really hindering our ability to effectively communicate with one another. Um, so, like you know, here are some ways that you can maybe try uh, to interact a little bit differently. Um, yeah, got it. Love it, man. Well, that's all we got time for today. Is there any place that people might be able to go with uh connect with you or check out your company or anything like that that you want to send people to before you take off yeah absolutely obviously feel free to come come say hi on linkedin uh you know jeff ake uh please check out carve systems on linkedin uh and at carvesystems.com check out our amazing parent company ivision uh, on linkedin as well as on their website ivision.com before you take off, if you're listening to the show on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, make sure to subscribe, leave us an honest rating, and we'll see you next episode. 